It's time for this week's edition of the Virtual Bible Study. The Virtual Bible Study is a live, internet-only call-in program dedicated to the honest study and discussion of God's Word. Do you have a question about something in the Bible? Or are you simply interested in learning more about the Scriptures? If so, we hope you'll stay tuned tonight as we look into the pages of God's Word. The Virtual Bible Study is brought to you this time each week by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. You can participate in the discussion tonight by calling 931 one three eight one four five six seven or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com we hope you'll take out your bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of god's word on this edition of the virtual bible study and welcome into the virtual bible study we're glad you're part of it this is the virtual bible study for november 12th 2009 my name is jacob gwynn my father greg gwynn is here tonight hello dad jacob great to be with you tonight on thursday night for the virtual bible study always look forward to uh, the time that we can spend with our internet listening audience and viewing audience as we gather around the computers for a little period of Bible study. And this is the virtual Bible study number 217 tonight, I believe. 227. 227. If we just counted, right? We were just counting. 227, all yeah, right. Yeah, and we've been at it for about almost four and a half years, so we're getting uh, on up there. And by the way, Jacob, since you mentioned that, every single program that we've done, and we haven't missed. A th- uh, we're thankful that we haven't had to miss a Thursday night uh, in f- about four and a half years. We almost have. We almost have a few times, but but we've made it. And all of those archives are available on our website, and it, it provides a, a a pretty good resource of information if you're studying a a topic with something like 226 archived programs. There, you can find uh, information on a. Uh, pretty wide variety of, of uh, biblical topics, and so you might use that as a resource sometime if you're studying something. Go to our audio archives on our webpage, and then you, we don't have a search engine built into our website, but you can do a simple search by uh, uh, doing a little control F on your screen while that page is up, and, and then type in the word that you're looking for and see if, there's, see if it's in any of the titles of our archives. All right, and we hope that you will check out our website tonight. We're glad that you're joining us, and we have an interesting topic planned for tonight. Jacob, we want to talk about Jesus tonight. That's always a worthy topic. But we want to approach it from the standpoint of dealing with misconceptions people have about Jesus. There's, I think, just a whole wide array of misconceptions that people have about what Jesus was really like simple things like his appearance. I think people's general idea of what Jesus looked like is probably way off. But then certainly more, even more importantly, misunderstandings about what he taught, what his preaching was like, and so forth. And those are the kind of things that we want to examine in our study uh, tonight. Let me read you the the, uh, the questions that we sent out to our update list earlier today. And we usually do that... Uh, Oh, shortly after noon on Thursdays, we send out an update to those who are on our mailing list telling you what we're going to talk about and beginning to ask you for feedback. Even, I mean, you can, you can start giving us feedback. You don't have to wait till the program begins. So that, that's the way we do that. Here were our questions. Number one, what do you think are some of the most common misconceptions about the appearance of Jesus? Number two, what do you think are some of the most common misconceptions about the general demeanor and personal conduct of Jesus? And number three, what do you think are some of the most common misconceptions about the teaching and doctrine of Jesus? So that's the way we want to approach our study tonight, and we'd like to get your input on those questions. We're going to start out with his appearance, and I think a lot of people really are missing it on his appearance. But uh, back back to our update list, Jacob, if you'd like to be on that update list and join our mailing list, 
send us just simply send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. Put in the subject line, add me to your list, and we'll do it. All right, and you can join in the discussion live tonight at 877-381-4567. That's toll-free. We pay the bill. We'd like to hear from you or send us an email to questions at collegeview.com. You can also follow the instructions on your screen. If you're watching our video feed at ustream.tv, there are instructions there on how you can join in the chat room with other listeners. Anthony from Columbia is in the chat room ready to chat with you. And so we would encourage you to go out to the chat room and you can join in the discussion there. We may have new listeners tonight as well. Thanks to the gentleman in Kansas. Yeah, we got an email from... uh, Jerry in wait a minute, I got the wrong email. Jerry Jacob, let me go back. Um Jerry in where does he say he's from? Uh you say it's in Kansas. I don't see it on the email. But anyway, he has a huge mailing list of people that he sends out a monthly uh uh e- email to with biblical teaching in it. And today he gave us a, a little plug on his mailing to people he says in thirty different countries. And so we really appreciate that, Jerry. And if you're one of Jerry's uh, normal readers on Jerry's Christian Jottings, and you've found out about us through his plug that he put in his email today. We're glad for your presence. Uh, glad you're listening to the Virtual Bible Study. We thank Jerry for giving us a little free advertising there. Yeah, thank you, Jerry, and uh, glad to have Jerry. Jerry said he found the program last week, so glad that you're here, Jerry, and uh, hopefully some of your readers are as well. We appreciate uh, you helping us spread the word on the Virtual Bible Study. We're talking about what Jesus was like on the program tonight, and we're ready to take your calls or your emails uh, you know, I think there is a, a, a huge misunderstanding about Jesus, and it, it comes out in the way that uh, that people handle his doctrine and, the, and their relationship with him. Yeah, but and I want to get to that, but I want to start out by just demonstrating the misconceptions by highlighting what are some very obvious misconceptions, even about what Jesus looked like and how he acted, how he conducted himself. If you were to ask people, Jacob, to draw a picture of Jesus... And, of course, artists have been trying to draw pictures of Jesus for centuries. They've been, uh, I mean, that's been one of the most common subjects of artists is to try to depict Jesus in some graphical way. Uh, and most of them have pictured, and thus most people picture Jesus as a man of maybe average height, maybe a little taller than average, but he's uh, slightly underweight, has a pale complexion, kind of weak-looking, delicate features, usually with a sad expression on his face. But but if you were if you were to rank him, you'd say he's a handsome man. Having said on that, you'd say he's a handsome man. Almost always, in fact, I'm not sure I've ever seen a picture that didn't depict him with long hair, uh, dressed in a white robe, and usually with a halo around his head. I mean, if that's if, if not a halo, there's some type of beam of light. Yeah, some from kind him. of essence beaming in on yep. his head, uh, uh, some way or another. Now, again, that's that's the way artists have depicted him, and I think that's the way most people, if they were going to describe him or try to draw a picture of themselves, that's the way they would picture him. The fact of the matter is, of course, that nobody knows what Jesus looked like. Uh, there, there are certainly no photographs, no drawings, no portraits of any kind available, so that we would know what he looked like. And I, I actually think that there, it's, it's a mistaken effort to try and picture what Jesus looked like. You know, over in Acts chapter 17 and verse 20, and I'd be glad to get uh, some of our listeners to comment on this too, but I've, I've always hesitated or, or had some resistance to trying to draw pictures of Jesus. I mean, I, I understand sometimes in our classes for little children and so forth, we, we draw stick figures or other kind of, kind of simple crude, uh, 
forms to try and get a lesson across to them. But but to try and draw a picture of Jesus to hang it on the wall and sort of venerate it or give special uh, homage to some kind of a picture of Jesus, I, I think in Acts chapter 17, verse uh, 29, this is from the context where Paul was preaching to the idol worshipers at Athens. Of course, they had an idol to everything. They even had an idol to, in case they'd forgotten some gods, they'd had an idol to the unknown God. And Paul used that uh, as sort of an opening for his famous sermon on Mars Hill in Athens. But in verse 29, he says, For as much then as we are the offspring of God, we ought not to think that the Godhead is likened to gold or silver or stone, graven by art and man's device. So Paul said, I think he was saying there, it's, it's a futile effort and not even a worthy effort, not a wise effort to try and depict the Godhead in such form that we would try to, to worship it or set it up uh, as an object of veneration. So uh, again, I, 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 has, I, I, I have typically hesitated to do that or to have pictures of Jesus hanging on the wall and so forth for that reason. But uh, I think if we were going to do it, and if we wanted to get a fair idea of what Jesus really looked like, uh, I would start out by saying the Bible says that he wasn't a particularly handsome man. And I would go to Isaiah 53 to get that. And you've got some other comments there in your email as well. Okay. Arthur, but uh, yeah. Isaiah 53, verse 2. Uh, of course, most people recognize Isaiah 53 as being one of the most famous prophetic passages about the Messiah. It says, for he shall grow up before him as a tender plant, as a root out of dry ground. He hath no form nor comeliness, and when we shall see him, there is no beauty that we should desire him. And so Isaiah prophetically said there wasn't anything about Jesus' physical appearance to say, wow, he's a handsome man, or look at that guy, and be drawn to him because of physical appearance. Right, and uh, we, we often think that there would be something about Jesus. There would be some trait about him that when you saw him, you would know that this was Jesus, and how in the world could the Jews see that aura or whatever they saw and not realize it was Jesus? There was nothing about his physical appearance that would give you any reason to believe that he was something Yeah, Arthur in Cullioca, Tennessee, has sent in an email. He suggested Isaiah 53, verse 2, and then also a couple verses just before that in the previous chapter, Isaiah 52, 14, as many were astonished at the, his visage was so marred more than any man and his form more than the sons of men. Uh, and so forth it, it goes. Uh, verse 15, so shall he sprinkle many nations. The king shall shut their mouths at him. For that which for that which had not been told them shall they see, and that which they had not heard shall they consider. So uh, Arthur uh, joins in there with the idea that, uh, you know, there's nothing particular about his appearance that would have drawn special attention you to know, him. You can imagine that Jesus would have looked like somebody you may have uh, seen on your way into Walmart uh, if you shopped at Walmart today. Uh, certainly Jesus would have been dressed modestly and wouldn't have any uh, slogans for alcohol on his shirt. But, <laughs> yeah. uh, you know, he just as a, it would have looked like a normal he person. He was a normal person in the crowd. In fact, there were a couple of episodes where he passed through a crowd without being noticed. Now, there may have been some miraculous um, part in that. But, for instance, in, uh, I've got written in my notes in Luke chapter 4, verse 30, he passed through a crowd not being recognized. And I think it's kind of interesting that when it came time for his arrest and trial, Judas had to betray him. You know, he told the soldiers that he led out to the garden, the one that I kissed, that's him, grab him. Well, that would make you think he didn't have that halo or that glow around his head. Yeah. Or, or they would have said, uh, we know, we'll recognize him. But that thing shining on his head, we'll know who he is for sure. But that Judas had to 
to, to identify him. He, he, he looked like a normal man. All right. Uh, Anthony in Columbia says, well, he certainly wasn't a fair-skinned, baby-faced white man, as is most commonly portrayed. He was an ethnic Jew, a Middle Easterner. I suppose we could look to modern folks from this part of uh, the world to get a better idea. Also, chances are he, was probably, he probably was thin. It is not like Jesus lived high on the hog. Exactly right. I think I think Anthony's right. You know, instead of being a, a, a man of a pale complexion, uh, you know, sort of delicate features, he was more likely deeply tanned. He was outside a lot. He traveled by foot long distances. He was accompanied. He was accustomed to walking long distances until he was sweaty and thirsty and weary. Remember in John chapter four, when he sat down at the well in Samaria. Because he was tired and thirsty and hungry and asked the woman to give him a drink of water and, of course, then used that as an opportunity to teach her. But he, he, was, accustomed, he was accustomed to traveling, probably often sleeping under the stars or where, whatever shelter could be found. He said in Matthew chapter 8 and verse 20, uh, the Son of Man hath not where to lay his head, uh, which, which would imply uh, probably that he spent a lot of time traveling, a lot of times without you know what we would consider even necessary or appropriate housing. Uh, so he was he was he was a uh, uh, a, a man who was weathered by the elements, probably, and that would not go uh, in line with the idea of a man who was pale and delicate and so forth. One of the things that I think the Bible would be pretty clear on. Uh, well, not the Bible necessarily, but we take into into account the the times is that he probably didn't have long hair. I would I would likely argue that he did not have long hair for these historic reasons. During this era, the Jews were strongly influenced by both the Greeks and the Romans. The Greeks previously, at that time Jesus was living, the Romans, and both the Greeks and the Romans, we know historically, the men wore short hair. Um, maybe the reason that some people always picture him with long hair is because they mis they misunderstand uh, the Nazarite vow. You know, in the Old Testament, there was a Nazarite vow in which those who took the vow did not cut their hair. But Jesus didn't take the Nazarite vow. He wasn't a Nazarite. He was a Nazarene. He was from the city of Nazareth. And I think some some people maybe uh, mistake that. But likely he didn't have long hair, but he probably did have a beard. From Isaiah chapter 50, verse 6, a messianic prophecy of Isaiah about Jesus. I gave my back to the smiters and my cheeks to them that plucked off the hair. I did not hide my face from shame and spitting. So his cheeks, the hair, they pulled the hair from his cheeks, probably indicating that he had a beard. All right. We're going to take a break. And when we go back uh, from the break, we'll continue the discussion. We have more to talk about his physical appearance and uh, some things that we do not know about it and maybe some ideas and some indications that we might have. And then we hope to hear from you at 877-381-4567 or send your emails to questions at collegeview.com. Don't go anywhere. The virtual Bible study will continue right after this. Don't touch that mouse. The virtual Bible study will be back right after this. 
I'm Greg Gwynn, a host of the Virtual Bible Study. Thanks for joining us for tonight's program. The Virtual Bible Study is presented weekly by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. Each week on the Virtual Bible Study, we simply engage in a study of God's Word in an effort to better understand it, better understand how God views us, and better understand what He wants from us in our lives. We're not studying any creeds. We're not studying any books written by men. We're just studying the Bible. And we're trying to study the Bible alone without any of our opinions or wisdom mixed in. We're only interested in what our Creator has revealed to us us in his word. We realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps. As a result, what we think or feel doesn't really matter. All that matters is what God has said. So that's what the virtual Bible study is all about. It's pretty simple, isn't it? Thanks again for joining us tonight, and we will hope you'll make plans to join us every Thursday night for the virtual Bible study. This is Stephen Nicholson, a member of the College View Church of Christ, and I want to invite you to be a regular participant on the virtual Bible study. Your input by way of emails and phone calls are always welcome during the live program. We're also open to your suggestions about possible topics for discussion on upcoming editions of the program. We'd love to hear from you anytime. Quit checking your email. The commercials are over and the virtual Bible study is ready to roll. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the virtual Bible studies tonight. We're glad you're a part of the program. We're looking forward to hearing from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. We're here for some of our listeners. We've got John in Oklahoma City on the line tonight. And uh, you've got an email there. from got, got an email from somebody I hadn't heard from in years. Sharon, who's in Orangeburg, South Carolina. We used to know her, Jacob, when we lived in West Tennessee. And she said she found out about the program today through Jerry's email. So Jerry's email is working. Sharon, it's great to hear from you. She's a a member of a very small church there meeting in her home in Orangeburg, South Carolina. Great to hear from you, Sharon. Uh, Good to hear from you. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeview.com. As we talk about Jesus, we're talking about his physical appearance, what he was really like like physically. We're going to talk about his teaching and his doctrine as we go on into the program tonight. If you have any thoughts, we'd love to hear from you on the program. Join in on the discussion. Now, Jesus was not uh, someone like the pictures, more than likely. Uh, and we also know that Jesus was a man accustomed to physical labor. That's right. We, you know, his his earthly father, or the man who who served the role of, of raising him as a as a father, we understand that his real father was the Holy Spirit, and it, Mary was a virgin when he was born. But Joseph was a carpenter, and a, a, it the implication of statements like Mark chapter six and verse three would suggest that he probably joined in those endeavors in the time before he began began preaching uh, when he was uh, near 30. Uh, In Mark chapter 6, verse 3, is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother James? In other words, not didn't say his father's carpenter. Is this this Jesus not a carpenter? Is this not the carpenter, the son of Mary, the brother of James and Joses and of Judas and Simon, and are not his sisters here with us? And they were offended at him. And so... You got to think about, you know, carpenter work is heavy work, even in these days. If if most of us had to work every day as a carpenter, it'd be pretty hard on us. But but that's with the advantage of a lot of modern tools and equipment that give you a lot of advantage. Can you imagine being a carpenter under the primitive conditions of that day when everything was done by brute force and physical labor? That would have been hard work. And so again, that that would make you suggest that Jesus is probably a pretty uh, a strong man, a man with big shoulders, calloused hands. Uh, we remember a, a, another factor that I think would factor into uh, the fact that Jesus was a physically strong man, not a weak or delicate man. 
was when he was arrested and before he was crucified, he was scourged, as, for instance, in Mark 15 and verse 15. There are historical narratives of men who died at the hand of the Roman scourge. Jesus didn't. And and so I think that might give some impression that he was probably a strong fellow. Again, not weak or delicate. And in, in another episode in Matthew chapter 4, the first verses of Matthew chapter 4, he fasted for 40 days, which would have the potential to kill a person. Uh, and, I mean, you, you literally could die from starvation in that amount of time. But even at the end of that period of time, he was able to resist Satan and, and, and strongly resist Satan's efforts to get him to sin. All right. Um, 877-381-4567. That, uh that phone is uh, going crazy over there. Yeah. All right. Uh, now, another thing about Jesus is, uh, and we learned this from his uh, from his preaching, that he wasn't a soft-spoken man. Certainly, he was able to address multitudes without the benefit of public address uh, machines. And yeah. I mean, he spoke to thousands. Yeah. If we were going to have uh, an outside outdoor rally of some kind, and we were, and if we were expecting more than one or two hundred people, and maybe even if we were expecting one or two hundred, we would want to have a, some kind of a PA system to project so that everybody could hear what was being said. Jesus spoke to thousands at a time, with obviously without the means of a public address system of any kind and so forth. So he, he, he again... And he, and he positioned himself to accommodate that. We know that he was. We pre- preached from a boat. He preached up on a mountain. So he was in a place where his voice would carry, but certainly... A soft-spoken person would have trouble even with uh, exactly. advantages of location. I, I hope our listeners are beginning to get the point that that when you talk about Jesus uh, and just his physical appearance, what he was like physically, there's a lot of misconceptions. Then the typical artist rendition of just the appearance of Jesus is typically way off the mark. Um, there's some other factors that we might throw in there, Jacob. For instance, we know that he was he he was familiar with a lot of things uh, because he made points. He made lessons from things like wild animals and plants. Uh, He made points from principles of uh, agriculture uh, in in his teaching. Uh, He he made points about how how domesticated animals were cared for. And it gives you the the understanding that he was knowledgeable about such things as that. All right. 877-381-4567. Questions at collegeu.com. Anthony Columbia mentions the cleansing of the temple. And uh, certainly uh, that would have been a a, a physically uh, exerting activity that he would have had to engage in there. Exactly right. For sure. Again, indicating what he was really like. Uh, We already mentioned he was the older brother several younger siblings, brothers and sisters, Matthew 13, verses 55 through 56. Uh, we remember him as a child. He was very bright. Remember, he was in the temple uh, asking questions of the scribes and the priests in the temple, and, and they, were, they were shocked at his level of understanding. Along with his parents. As, as, and his parents, too, at, at 12 years old. Of course, that would have happened more than likely without any formal education. He would not have been one privilege to have a formal education, yet he's still astounded the scholars uh, at, uh, both when he was young and when he was older. Uh, so, uh, I don't know, put put all that together, Jacob, and I, I think what you see is that Jesus was a man a lot different than typically pictured by the artist, 
And it wasn't just his appearance, but it was also his demeanor, his personal conduct. As Anthony mentioned, uh, the um, cleansing of the temple. Uh, he did that twice. In John chapter 2, uh, it's mentioned. In Mark chapter 11, it's mentioned. What's interesting is John 2 is at the very beginning of his work of preaching, and Mark 11 is in the last week of his life. And some people have suggested a contradiction there, that John and Mark contradict each other. And there's no reason to assume that. It's it's an easier assumption, and there's nothing that argues against it, to say that he did it twice. He did it about three years apart. But remember, he uh, he went in there and made a scourge of cords and drove out the the money changers over through their temple or over overturned their tables where they were changing money uh, because he said they'd made the house of God into a den of thieves. Uh, apparently what was going on there was that when people came from some distance to worship at Jerusalem and it was impractical for them to bring their sacrifices with them, then they would buy animals and so forth to sacrifice at the temple. But this had become a, a corrupt commercial operation right on the temple grounds and Jesus said it was a it was a defamation to the to the holiness of the temple and it it it, it enraged him and he reacted to it no again um uh, Anthony says Jesus is too often portrayed as a wimpy pacifist who was all about love and being nice to everyone but we see him being very confrontational toward the Jewish leaders of the time calling them hypocrites and vipers and also let's not forget the cleansing of the temple i think that's right all right, 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. He was uh, assertive. He wasn't just uh, some type of uh, of passive, pushover kind of guy. He was very assertive, as shown in the cleansing of the temple. Yeah, uh, and, uh, some, some of the, uh, here, here's from Isaiah 53 again about some of the emotions that he displayed. He is despised and rejected of men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we esteemed him not. So there it talks about him being a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. He was a compassionate man as well. We see that multiple times when he feeds the multitudes. Uh, he has compassion on them because of their physical condition. In, thir- in verse uh, 36 of Matthew chapter 9, he also had compassion on them because of their spiritual condition. Uh, in verse 36 of Matthew chapter 9, but when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. And so uh, Jesus was obviously a very compassionate man. We remember... That he grieved when his son, when his friend Lazarus died in John 11 verse 35. It says Jesus wept. I always remember that verse, Jacob. When I was a kid, we had a, a Bible school teacher who let us pick our own memory verses, which was kind of in, interesting. And so we always, all of us almost immediately picked John 11:35. Jesus wept. Did you get it right? I got it right. All right. Uh, but again, that is an important verse, uh, which indicates that he had those kind of emotions. He experienced those kind of things. And that's actually important because when we talk about Jesus, we're talking about our high priest. In Hebrews chapter 4, uh, it it says that he experienced what we experienced. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15, For we have not a high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted like as we are, yet without sin. It's very important for us to know that Jesus knew these things. Jesus experienced these things. Jesus was was in such situations that make him very capable of serving as our high priest in the role of our mediator and intercessor. Uh, he's been there. He's done that. He knows 
the kind of things that we experience. And that's really important. We should not take that lightly. All right. We are looking forward to hearing from you. We're going to take a break and get to this week's bullet point. But during the bullet point, it would be a great time for you to get your thoughts together and send in an email or give us a call. Get on the line and be ready to go when we continue. We, from we, we, and we want to talk about when we get back, we want to talk about what are some of the common misconceptions about Jesus teaching and doctrine. Yeah, that's important. That's, the, that's where the real crux of the argument gets to tonight. That's what we want to talk about next. So don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages. This is Greg Gwynn with this week's bullet point. Jesus taught, quote, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. Matthew chapter 5, verse 6. This verse describes an intense craving to be in a right relationship with God. The words that Jesus used here for hunger and thirst denote a level of intensity and desire that would be similar to a person who is about to starve to death as versus a simple hunger pang, or a person about to die from dehydration as versus someone who had a mild desire for something to drink. Christians often wrestle with a number of problems that could be easily resolved in their minds and removed from their lives if they simply ask the question, am I hungering and thirsting for righteousness? For instance, the supposedly hard questions about social drinking, smoking, dancing, movie and TV watching, immodest clothes, bad language, and all such things just vanish away in the face of this test. If I desire to be right with God at the same level that a starving man desires food, it will be simple to answer these challenges and do the right thing. Watch how neatly this divine principle works on the problem area of church attendance. Ask yourself, would a starving man pass up an opportunity to eat a good home-cooked meal? Answer, obviously not. Why? Because he's starving. Now, would a Christian who hungers and thirsts for righteousness pass up an opportunity to meet and study with other saints, to worship God and study his word? Answer, certainly not. Why? Because he craves to maintain a right relationship with God, and such assemblies are a tremendous aid in that direction. You can see the idea here. And the challenge is to make this application in every area of your life. Are you hungering and thirsting after righteousness? That's this week's bullet point. Think about it. Hi, I'm Anthony Petrochko, a member of the College View Church of Christ. Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study. We want to remind you that our website, www.collegeview.com or www.thevirtualbiblestudy.com, has lots of valuable study tools available for your use. First, you can find archives of all our past programs there. We've covered a wide variety of topics, including doctrinal issues, moral and ethical questions, and many things related to living daily as a Christian. And while we don't have a search engine option on our website, remember that you can hit Control-F and type in a keyword. You'll then see that keyword highlighted on the page. For instance, if you hit Control-F and typed in the word worship, you'd find these past programs that we've conducted. Does it matter how we worship? What about contemporary worship and hand clapping? Our worship, pleasing to God or pleasing to man, and instrumental music in worship. That's just an example, but you get the idea as to how the webpage can be used to help in your study of various subjects. Also remember that we have copies of our church bulletin on the website, and these bulletins include articles on hundreds of topics. You'll also find some recorded sermons, some Bible tracts, as well as information about the College View Church. So be sure to check out the valuable resources on our website. Again, the address is collegeview.com or thevirtualbiblestudy.com. And thanks again for listening to the Virtual Bible Study. Be sure to tell others. We're waiting to hear from you. Call in right now and join in on the Virtual Bible Study. Now, back to the program. 
And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're a part of it. We hope that you will join in on the phone or over email tonight, or the chat room is going good tonight. Uh, You can join in with Anthony, John, Kent is there, and um, some other listeners as well. Yeah, but I see that it also looks like a lot of lookers and not participants. If you'd like to get in there and participate, you do have to sign up for a little account, but it's free and it's easy to do. So go ahead and fill out a, a... I see one of one Kent on there said he had forgotten his login, so maybe you need to write down your login so you remember how to get back next week. But uh, that's that's those who do that appear to have a lot of fun with that chat room. So get in there. All right. Uh, so listeners from around the country tonight are joined in on the virtual Bible study. Why not share your comments with them over the phone at eight seven seven three eight one four five six seven or send an email to questions at collegeu dot com as we talk about Jesus and his characteristics, what Jesus was really like. And certainly we have found that Jesus was not like what many people think, at least in his physical appearance. We may find that same is true in yeah, his doctrine Let's, let's and spend some well. time talking about his doctrine and teaching, Jake. But I think we're going to find that there's a lot of misunderstanding, too. You know, most people, I think if you ask most people, they would have their favorite preacher. Who is your favorite pre- preacher? And then if you ask them after they told you who their favorite preacher was, and you ask them why, they'd probably say things, well, like his oh, he, his voice or his presentation, his style, his illustration, maybe the jokes that he tells, you know, that, that really appeals to them. Um, he has a lot of enthusiasm. He leaves you feeling good after you've, after you've listened to his sermon. And, of course, he doesn't preach too long. That would be high on most people's list. Mm-hmm. Those are all human standards. Some of them make sense. Some of them don't. But we know that Jesus was the master teacher. He was the best of all. There's never been any that surpassed his skill in teaching and preaching, letting people know the will of God. He was the ultimate best. And so um, what was it like? Was it, you know, lighthearted, feel-good kind of preaching? Uh, or or what, what was it really like? I, I would start out, Jacob, by saying, that we know that the teaching of Jesus was authoritative in nature. He did not preach uh, along the lines of I feel or uh, it is my feeling that or it seems to me or it is my opinion or or use some kind of trite expression like let me share a thought with you. Those were, those kind of things were not in the teaching of Jesus. Nor do we see him citing a lot of uh, citing uh, so-called scholars or uh, modern uh, uh, philosophers in his teaching either. You know, a lot of people, a lot of people in their preaching resort to those types of things to to provide authority for what they're saying. Jesus didn't do that. Jesus Jesus possessed authority uh, in Matthew chapter seven verses twenty eight and twenty nine. It came to pass when Jesus had ended these things, the people were astonished at his doctrine, for he taught them as one having authority, and not as the scribes. You know, the scribes would have had to preach uh, like we preach. You know, referencing. You know, in their case, they would have re- had to have referenced to, to be to be speaking with any. Uh, you know. Uh, credibility at all they would have had to reference old testament scriptures jesus didn't have to preach like that because he possessed he was the divine son of god he he is god he possessed the authority to speak uh and 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 say so with authority this is the way it is but what i would draw from that we, we couldn't preach like jesus preaches today we, but we do need to speak with authority. Titus 2.15, Paul told Titus, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise thee. We need to speak with authority. We need to, we need to be... Our authority, of course, is based upon the Word of God. 
But we need to use that authority. We, we should not just preach human philosophy or opinion, not just our own personal think-sos. We need to speak the word of God with authority. Now, we're going to have to reference that authority from the Scripture, but it should be in that sense. When it comes from the Scriptures, we should speak it authoritatively. And Paul told Titus to do such in Titus chapter 2, verse 15. He said, These things speak and exhort and rebuke with all authority. Let no man despise you. Uh, we, 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 we should not be shy. Jesus wasn't shy to speak authoritatively, and we should as well when we have the backing of the Scriptures. Exactly right. And, and it needs to be more than... Let me tell you, let me tell you what I think, or let me give you my opinion, but it's just my opinion, and you know, you're free to, to accept it or reject it. I want to tell you, uh, as we've often said, Jacob, opinions are like noses. Everybody's got one. And if you're just expressing your personal opinion about something, then feel free to keep that to yourself. We don't, we, we don't need to hear that. But if you're proclaiming the message of God, prove that it is so from His scriptures and speak with authority. Not, not, not a self-possessed authority. Now, Jesus, possessed authority in and of himself and we can't do that but use the authority of scripture and be emphatic that this is what god says and a lot of people today look down on someone who uses a lot of scripture in their preaching uh and uh they say that that is somewhat of a, a weak uh someone who's weak-minded who doesn't have a lot of ideas of their own they've got to they just reference scripture all the time certainly we need to be referencing scripture so we can speak with authority, and it seems, uh, Dad, that many preachers today are getting away from the usage of Scripture, and we hear pre- sermons from preachers who claim to be faithful gospel preachers who cite very few Scriptures in their sermons. I, I'm sure that a lot of our listeners have probably been to religious services uh, in which if you were to count how many Scriptures the preacher referenced, it, it'd be one or two, you know, at most, and and then all the rest, their own philosophy of things and that's that doesn't get the job done all right 877-381-4567 questions at collegeview.com john in the chat room says the scribes were also adding to the old testament scriptures he references matthew 15 verse 9 possibly teaching from the torah which i believe were oral traditions written down he says um and so jesus was not teaching like the scribes he was not adding his own uh opinions in there he was teaching what the father had revealed to him exactly right we got an email from mike and Kalioka who asked do you think it's wrong to portray pictures uh of what of what people think jesus looked like the world has a picture that everyone recognizes a man with long hair and a beard uh i just repeating what we mentioned earlier in the program i have some reservation about doing that and i would base that reservation upon the statement in Acts 17 and verse 29 but we ought not to try to make the Godhead likened to things graven by man's art and man's device. I, I would, I would, uh, I would resist that, Mike. Uh, we, we mentioned that a little earlier, but I, that, that just uh, just doesn't seem to be appropriate. My, uh, Joe in Columbia, Tennessee, uh, references Jesus uh, not uh, speaking like one of the scribes. He says repeatedly, Jesus in Matthew five verse thirty two for one. Uh, contradicts what the common people were teaching of the day, the, the common uh, doctrine of the Pharisees, and, and describes Jesus, uh, Jesus taught against that when he said it, but I say unto you. Yeah. They, they tell That's you the this, authority. But I say unto you. That's an expression of his authority to speak. Exactly right. Okay. Um, something else we can add to the mix. What was Jesus like in his preaching? His preaching was urgent. You know, it, it wasn't sort of, you know, laid back, take it or leave it. If you get a chance, give it a listen, but, you know, it's not too too important. His preaching, on the other hand, was very urgent. Uh, it wasn't advice. 
it was the word of God. And so it came with urgency. Uh, John seven thirty seven. in the last day, the great day of the feast, Jesus stood and cried, saying, if any man thirsts, let him come to me and drink. You know, it was urgent. You know, listen up. Pay attention to what we're saying it was, here. Uh, it was uh, more than just a suggestion, as we hear a lot of uh, preaching today is just a suggestion. You might do this. It would be a good idea. Jesus was was urgent in his instruction. Exactly right. All right. I would also add, we're adding several points about what Jesus preaching. Well, how are we doing on time, Jacob? We've got time to make another point here. Jesus preaching was instructive. You could understand uh, what he was saying, and it was it was information that was needed. I, I remember uh, back when I was on a team in high school, our coach, especially at halftime, would get all just fired up. And he would say a whole bunch of stuff, but at the end of that, you were left wondering, what what's he talking about? There was a lot of noise. There was no substance to it. And sometimes preachers do the same thing. They make a lot of noise, but there's no substantive teaching in what they do. Jesus' message, on the other hand, was informative. People learned from what he had to say. All right. Jesus' instruction was uh, uh, described this way by his disciples in John 16, verse 29, beginning, His disciples said unto him, Lo, now speakest thou plainly, and speakest no proverb. Now are we sure that thou knowest all things, and needest not that any man should ask thee. By this we believe that thou camest forth from God. They knew what he was saying when he got up. What what does it say there? He he spoke plainly to them, and they understood what he had to say. There was information there that they needed, and he put it at their level so that they could find out what was important. All right. He was letting them know what they needed to hear, and he wasn't trying to hide uh, from what he was trying to to tell others. He he wanted people to know uh, where they needed to change, and he was telling them. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Jacob, we got an email from Arthur in Cullioca, Tennessee, who who asked us to read Hebrews 5, 6 through 9. Uh, As he saith us also in another place, thou art a priest forever after the order of Melchizedek, who in the days of his flesh, when he had offered up prayers and supplications with strong crying and tears unto him that was able to save him from death, and was heard in that he feared, though he were a son, yet learned he obedience by the things which he suffered, and being made perfect, he became the author of eternal salvation to all them that obey him. I think probably Arthur there is emphasizing his prayers, you know, in anticipation of what he would suffer and what he, he learned obedience through the things that he suffered. So we know, again, that would probably go to the point we were making a little earlier. Jesus, as our high priest, suffered the whole spectrum of human emotion, and he, he knows what we're dealing with. All right. Thank Sh- you, Arthur. Sharon in South Carolina re- references a quote from an older preacher uh, who said, put the hay down where the calves can get it, and the cows won't have any trouble. I think that's true. I've heard that too, Sharon. I think that's a good uh, good point. Uh, we gotta we got to get it on a level. If it's important, then it's important for us to get it at a level where people can understand it. And if we don't accomplish that, then we're wasting our time. All right. 877-381-4567. One more break. Questions at collegeu.com is the email address to use. And when we get back from the break, we go to the top of the hour talking about Jesus and his characteristics as we continue discussing his doctrine and how it differs and is contrasted from what many in the world today believe about Jesus. Don't go anywhere. We'll continue right after this. Enjoying the virtual Bible study? Email a friend during this break and tell them to join in on the discussion. There's more exciting Bible study after this commercial. 
I'm Joel Gwynn, and a member of the College View Church of Christ with something for you to think about regarding our children. A survey published in the periodical Pulpit Helps analyzed the question of faithfulness among the children of churchgoers. The results are interesting. It was found that faithfulness in kids was not a function of the size of the congregation, the number of classes and special programs sponsored by the church, the effectiveness of the youth minister. Instead, here is what was discovered. In cases where both parents were faithful, And active, 93% of their children remained faithful to their religious training. When only one parent was faithful and active, the percentage dropped to 73%. When parents were only reasonably active, attended services, but that's all, their kids remained faithful only 53% of the time. And finally, when the parents attended the assemblies only infrequently, the children's endured at a mere 6% level. The results of this survey are interesting, but not terribly surprising. We've known all along that people, including children, often learn more from example than from the words they hear. That's why Jesus said, Let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Matthew 5:16. Parents, have you considered applying Jesus' concept right there in your own home? Are you letting your light shine before your kids? Survey results. Our own common sense and the Bible tells us that this is the only hope that we have to bring them up fearing God. I'm Tom Goodall, a member of College View Church of Christ. Do you have a question about what has been said on the virtual Bible study tonight? Perhaps you disagree with something that was said, or would just like more information about what you've heard. If so, we'd love to hear from you. Please contact us with any questions or comments that you might have. Email us at questions at collegeview.com, and we can discuss any of your questions or comments with you privately or over email. Or if you would like to speak with someone in person, call us at 931-381-4567. Our promise to you is that we'll do our very best to give you a Bible answer for anything that we do or teach, and that we will do so in a loving manner. So if you have any questions or comments about our program tonight or any Bible subject, email us at questions at collegeview.com or call 931-381-4567. Thanks for listening to tonight's virtual Bible study, and we hope to hear from you soon. Broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys. And welcome back to the Virtual Bible Study tonight. We're glad you're part of the program, and we look forward again to hearing from you in the remaining minutes of the program. Plenty of time to hear from you. A lot of activity in the chat room tonight. And we have uh, one listener out there I think gets the award for the most unique username tonight, Neutron John. Neutron is John. in the wow. chat room tonight. So welcome, Neutron John. And I, I, I didn't see this a minute ago when you read that quote that Sharon said, put the hay down where the calves can get it and the cows won't have any trouble. She references there a fellow. I'm not sure you would remember him, Jake, at Lois Pierce, and a, a, a preacher in West Tennessee that did a lot of good out there. He's passed away, but uh, uh, it's interesting that Sharon reminds us of Lois Pierce's preaching in West Tennessee. Thanks, and I Sharon. do remember him yeah. and his wife. 877-381-4567, questions at collegeview.com. Rhonda, uh, Rhonda sends in an email and says, when you read the sermon Jesus preached, you see much more than a motivational speaker. He preached life-changing material, not just feel-good material. Exactly right. That's the point we're trying to make, that people's impressions of Jesus, not only in his personal appearance and conduct, but in his teaching, people's general conception of Jesus is way off the mark. All right, and uh, we want to continue that discussion. And so if you have ideas, join in and let us know what you think about Jesus' teaching. Was it like many people believe it to be in the religious world today? We're looking forward to hearing from you. got a question from Steph in Missouri who says, I always wondered if crosses or the crucifix, when people wear them, if that comes across that Jesus didn't rise again. I mean, it's like it ended there that Jesus 
died on the cross. And she asked if that's uh, crazy thinking. Well, I'm not sure. I'm not sure why people wear those crosses or crucifixes. And I, and I doubt that they want to convey the idea that Jesus, that everything ended at the cross, because certainly most people, I think most people who would wear a crucifix or a cross would have a, a faith in the, the resurrection of Jesus. Uh, but again, that that kind of goes to the idea of, of trying to have some physical representation of Jesus uh, and and to maybe even draw attention to some physical manifestation in an art form of some kind or another. And I, I just, I, I, I shy away from it. I don't think it's, I, I don't think that the scriptures, they, they don't specifically condemn it, but I, uh, I wonder if there's just some, some principles there that are uh, different than what we read. Certainly the cross is something that's worshipped by some in the yeah. religious world. Yeah. And uh, and at that point it becomes an idol and uh, should be avoided. So certainly some things to be cautious of. Thanks, Steph. All right. Uh, from the chat room, looks like we've got three listeners in Oklahoma City tonight. So a good contingent there from Oklahoma City. We're glad that you're out there. Jacob, uh, it looks like you might can turn off the moderation on the chat room, too. And I can. All yeah. right. We'll turn that off. And so anybody uh, can chat tonight. Now, so the now, chat room's now gonna we're going to open it up. You don't even have to have an account to get in the chat room. Now there's Eric in Fayetteville, Tennessee, who's in there. All right. So you can test that out, and you should be able to to chat away now. Okay, uh, we've got an email from, from Anthony who sent it in earlier on this question about Jesus' teaching. He says, people assume that Jesus was all about everyone going to heaven. I'm okay, you're okay type of thing. His words of judge not that you be not judged are so very frequently misapplied. Remember, Jesus said, I came not to bring peace but a sword and that we should, quote, hate our own family members, not literally, of course, he also taught extensively about the reality of hell and the fact that most people, the broad road, would find themselves there. He acknowledged that many would call him Lord, Lord, but in the end he would tell them to depart from him. Jesus certainly did teach groundbreaking principles of respect and love for one another, but he also did not sugarcoat the realities of God's will. Well said, Anthony. Uh, I think you're exactly on. Uh, he he was strong in his preaching and very forceful in in rebuking those who needed to be rebuked and plainly setting forth the word of God. Um, the, Matthew 23 is an interesting study, and we don't have time to go there and read a lot of it. But, you know, to the people who were in religious error, and especially the leaders of that religious error in his day, notice some of his kind of words in Matthew 23, verse 27. Woe unto you, scribes and Pharisees, hypocrites, for you are likened to whited sepulchers, which indeed appear beautiful outward, but are within full of dead men's bones and all uncleanness. And so he, uh, uh, you know, if, if I want to tell you something. If a preacher today said something like that, if he called anybody in his audience whited sepulchers, hypocrites, I think that'd probably bring the house down. But Jesus didn't refrain from using that kind of description, that kind of language when it was justified to condemn those who were the leaders of religious error in his day. He we have very to, forceful. And we do have to combine that with the, the point you just mentioned, his compassion. It wasn't a hateful thing. It wasn't meant to be destructive. Jesus was had compassion and wanted the, the people in his audience to be saved. But in that effort to do that, he was very forceful, and we shouldn't be afraid to be forceful today as well. Exactly right. Um, when Jesus taught, he taught a demanding doctrine you got to do something it wasn't all you're okay don't worry about it god will take everything god loves you everything will be fine you don't have to do you don't have to change you don't have to be different 
Jesus' message to the people, Jacob, was was a, a demanding message. You've got to react to this. You know, that's really contrasted with the popular movement in the world today, the come-as-you-are movement. is You can be what you are right now. You don't have to change, and Jesus will be glad to accept you. Uh, we don't want anybody to feel uncomfortable. You can be happy with just where you are. Come as you are. You don't have to change. And, and, and uh, one of our... One of our emails uh, a little bit ago used the expression feel-good preaching. His was not feel-good preaching. You know, there are people who don't need to be feeling good. They need to be feeling the guilt of their sin and be motivated to get a remedy to that problem. We are not doing anybody any good if we preach to them and leave them in their sinful condition, unalerted to the spiritual danger that they're in. Jesus didn't do that. When he when he dealt with sinners, he plainly let them know what their condition was and what to do to get out of it. And he demanded uh, sacrifice in order to follow him. In Luke 9, verse 23, he said unto them all, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. Jesus wasn't teaching an easy religion. He was teaching a demanding religion that required total sacrifice. Exactly right. And people today need, uh, I really think a lot of people who call themselves Christians today need to get a grasp of that because the, the the tone of Christianity today is come as you are, stay as you have been. God loves you. Everything's okay. And his mercy and grace will cover everything. Well, certainly God is a merciful God and he's been very gracious toward us. But to ignore his, his demands that we sacrifice, you know, uh, sacrifice self to serve him, take up our cross and follow him. The, the demands to be obedient to the instructions of Scripture, if we don't get that message out there, then we're, we're missing the point, and we're, we're, we're not helping the people who need to hear that message. People in America, and sadly, many people who call themselves Christians today, simply have no tolerance of that kind of, of forceful and demanding preaching, that to the point uh, and uh, preaching, they just simply do not have any type of tolerance for that. Uh, from the chat room, First Peter four eleven. If anyone speaks, let him speak as the oracles of God. Uh, also, we must be convicted of our sins in order to change, turn from sin to God. So, exactly right. Very good. You wouldn't hear this uh, in a lot of churches today. Jesus is teaching in Matthew chapter ten, verses thirty-seven and thirty-eight. He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me, and he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me, and he that taketh not his cross and followeth after me is not worthy of me. You don't hear that on television when the preachers get on television. You don't hear that on the radio. People are unwilling to preach forcefully and demanding like Jesus did. Exactly right. And and then let me add, and we kind of hinted at this earlier, but let me add that his his preaching was understandable. I, I, I heard once of a guy who went to hear a preacher preach, Jacob, and the next day someone asked him, he said, what did the preacher preach about? And the guy said, I don't know. He didn't say I always thought that was a funny expression, but I've been to some preaching sometimes and left with the idea, I don't know what he said. I don't know what he was talking about. Again, that if, if we preach like that, we're not getting the job done. Uh, very simple statement in Mark chapter 12, verse 37, the common people heard him gladly. His, his preaching was not cheap or vulgar, but it wasn't, it wasn't overly sophisticated either. It was practical. It was usable. It was understandable, and that's what our preaching needs to be like. All right. Uh, We have time. If you want to get in on the discussion, we have a few more minutes remaining. 
877-381-4567 is the number to call or send your email to questions at collegeview.com. We have a follow-up email from Steph in Missouri who says, Unfortunately, people go to the house of worship just as a fashionable weekly act. It's very sad. Also, they go for entertainment more than to be taught from the word. Uh, and she says, enjoying your study here. Thanks, Steph. Uh, I think she's right. I think I think that for a lot of people, their religious activities are sort of like just a, a social club. And I've even heard some churches referred to as a poor man's country club. You know, it costs money to join the country club and have that social circle of friends. It, church is free, you know, and you can go and, and have that as your social realm of influence. That's not what we're supposed to be doing. Uh, and and yet, if that attitude is going to be maintained, then preachers are going to have to preach in a mode different than what Jesus did, because the preaching of Jesus is not going to not going to draw the country club crowd. All right, lots of stuff going on in the chat room tonight. We can't get to all of it, but just a few highlights. Uh, one of the anonymous uh, commenters in the chat room tonight says, "Too many congregations are not preaching repentance because repentance isn't popular." And so too many congregations are not preaching repentance. Um, and uh, John in Oklahoma City says there were many people who were one, unable to uh, bear the teaching of Jesus. They left him. He references John 6, verse 66. Jesus' teachings were so demanding and so forceful that some people couldn't bear them, unlike the preaching today where the preacher wants to make everyone happy so that they can be popular. Jesus wasn't concerned about popularity. Um, and uh, let's see here. Uh, we have Joe in Columbia. He says he references Matthew chapter twenty-eight, uh, Matthew seven twenty-eight and twenty-nine. The result was that when Jesus had finished these words, the multitudes were amazed at his teaching. In verse twenty-nine, for he was teaching them as one of the uh, as one having authority and not as their scribes. And so Jesus is what teaching was. It was uh, really uh, a shock to the system of many of the religious people of the day. That's right. We're just about out of time. Before we end, uh, again, a word of thanks to Jerry Blunt. We're putting it out uh, on his Jerry's Christian jottings uh, about our program. And it does appear that several people found out about us uh, through that email. So we thank him for alerting us to that. If you're a new listener to the program and you'd like to be reminded each week about the upcoming topic for, for that Thursday night's discussion on the virtual Bible study, send us an email to questions at collegeview.com and just Put in the email, add me to your list, and we'll do that. Uh, and then we'll remind you. And we also are on Twitter. Look us up, VBS Questions. If you're looking for us on Twitter, VBS Questions, we try to send an update on Twitter every week as to what our uh, update's going to be. I think we've got a Facebook page. Or we MySpace. don't. We don't, but there are some listeners who have created a Facebook uh, page. And so if you're on Facebook, you might join in with other listeners on yeah, Facebook. Yeah, we don't, we, don't, we don't moderate that. We don't have anything to do with that, but there, there is a Facebook group. Uh, for the virtual Bible study. And so if you are a first-time listener tonight, thank you for being a part of it. If you're a long-time listener, thank you for joining us on the program tonight. We hope you'll be back every week for the virtual Bible study. Dad, thank you for your time tonight. A good discussion. Thanks, Jacob. And we hope you'll make plans to be back here next week for another edition of the virtual Bible study. In the meantime, we encourage you to put God first in your life, study His inspired word, the Bible, and live by it every day. You'll never regret it.
Thanks for listening to the virtual Bible study brought to you by the College View Church of Christ. The College View Church of Christ meets at 1618 Hampshire Pike in Columbia, Tennessee. If you are in the Columbia, Tennessee area, we encourage you to worship with the College View Church of Christ on Sunday mornings at 9.30 and on Sunday evenings at 6 o'clock. The College View Church of Christ also welcomes you to attend their Wednesday night Bible studies at 7 o'clock. If you have any questions about something that was said on tonight's broadcast or would like more information about the College View Church of Christ, please call 931-381-4567. That number again, 931-381-4567. Or for more information on the internet, visit collegeview.com. Be sure to tune into the virtual Bible study this time next Thursday for another informative study of God's Word.